Hello. My name is Anthony Wilkinson, and I am sitting in a room. At the beginning of this recording, I set a timer for one hour. Until it goes off, I am not allowed to look at the timer. For the next 60 minutes, I will be talking uninterrupted. Nobody will speak to me during this hour. I may not listen to music, watch, or read anything during this hour. I may move and stand if I wish, but must stay within earshot of the microphone at all times. There are no guidelines for what I must talk about, but it is suggested I begin describing the room around me. This is the end of my written prompt. All right. Well, I am, I am, as I said, sitting in a room. It is not my room. It is the room of my friend Rachel, who is also sitting in the room with me. It was our idea to make this podcast, and this is, I guess, what you could call the first test. So in the spirit of the podcast, I guess I'll just jump into it. I am sitting in a chair. Um, it's kind of a difficult chair to describe, if I'm going to be honest. Um, it is kind of multicolored. It has several different flower-like patterns, flower leaf patterns, and a bunch of greens and reds and oranges. Uh, it's it's a uh, I'm already forgetting what this is called. It is like a love seat, and and it is relatively comfortable. Although I feel like I'm going to start getting antsy very quickly as this podcast progresses. I'm also trying very hard not to stare directly at Rachel while I speak for this entire hour. Um, also, on the chair is an old hockey jersey. It looks like I'm not very familiar with hockey, but it seems to be some kind of bear with mountains on it. I'm going to guess it is from Minnesota. I'm going to guess that's... Oh, Rachel's nodding at me, which means I think I got it correct. Um... Next to me is a table. It's a light brown wooden table. It has two chairs that seem to match its color. Uh, sitting on the table is a collection of objects. There are, are several plants sitting on the table. Um, one I think is an aloe. That's the only one I'm familiar with. I do remember Rachel telling me that these plants, she's trying to bring them back to life because they sat in the hot car for too long. <laughs> but they seem to be doing pretty well over here. Also on the table, there is a pink box, what looks like stitching equipment. Not stitching, what's it called? It's, it's the thing where you needlework. Needlework, one of those hoops. It looks like some thread for that as well. Also, there are two wooden coasters that have been, that have had a design wood burned into them. Um, the design is like a star with several kind of vines that seem to group out and surrounding it are, are these circular patterns. On the table as well are four books. One is The Shock Doctrine, emails from Shizurad, The Strange Library, and Mob Psycho 100. Unfortunately, I can't open any of the books and read it because that specifically goes against any of the rules because that would be a good way to fill this hour i have to say this process in general is kind of unnerving because i don't think anyone realizes how long an hour is and oh i'm just noticing there's a clock across from me in the room i think i need 
I need to make sure I don't look at that throughout all of this. And I think the worst part will be not knowing when I'm getting close, having no idea throughout the entirety of this, if I need to keep stalling for and stalling for another 40 minutes or another two minutes. Because every time I start to describe an item, I start thinking, do I need to describe this in more detail? Do I need to spend more time describing this table? Because eventually I'm going to get to a point where I've described everything in the room. And then do I go back to describing it in more detail? I'm not sure. I'm just gonna continue with the exercise though. Um, across from me, Rachel is sitting in a chair. Uh, the chair she's sitting in is another love seat. It looks like it's it's a lot easier to describe. It's big. It looks like it's made from corduroy almost, you know, with kind of like the striped fabric-y pattern where part of it is raised and part of it isn't. It's kind of a a really dull brownish green. And it matches, it almost matches the colors of the wall of this house, except the walls don't have any green them. They're just kind of a, a gray. And I, I don't know why every wall has this, but it has that, I know it's called stucco or whatever. It's, it's that the little raised bumpy pattern that you see on walls. And I, I don't know what has possessed everyone on earth to always do this. And the ceiling as well. The ceiling has like that really, I think it's the ugliest thing on earth. And I don't know why anybody does it ever, but I see it in every house in the world where it's just like you put a bunch of lumps on your ceiling and it looks awful. And maybe that's, maybe that's, maybe I should try to keep it happier through this because I almost thought this would be like a meditative experience. But right now, all I can focus on is how much I hate these ceilings. Um, on the wall to my left, there are three windows. And the windows, uh, they're just like, they, uh, it looks like you can raise them up. Right now we have them closed and we've turned the AC off in here so that the sound quality is a little bit better. And so I'm hoping by the end of the hour, I'm not cooking alive in here. Um, on the wall, there are several paintings and drawings. I think Rachel did these herself. There is one of a snail and the snail is kind of like looking over its shoulder. I think something has been chasing him or he's, he sees a friend across across the way and he's he's trying to get their attention. Um, beside that is, a, is, it looks like a man growing out of almost like a, like a, like a garden house of flowers. And there are like little people poking their heads out of little windows and it looks like kind of a watercolor piece. Um, besides that is a moth on kind of a pink and white background. I've always thought moths were kind of weird. I don't know what the difference is between a butterfly and a moth. It just kind of seems like moths got the short end of the stick. But I guess butterflies don't destroy clothes and moths do. So maybe that's why no one likes them. Um, on the wall next to the windows is a... Uh, there's like a, I don't even know how to describe what I'm looking at right now. That's the thing. I can't always find the words for these things. Like it, it, it's, it's like a, a vortex tunnel pattern print thing. It, it looks like, it looks like I used to do this all the time in middle school 
where you draw like a point, you draw like a circle and you make points on all the circles, all around the circle, and then you try to connect each dot to all the other dots on the circle until you got kind of like an overlapping weird shape. And it's very similar to that, but it's like a whole bunch of them and they kind of spiral down into a point. And then beside that is a poster for an album called Culture Vulture. Culture Vulture. And now I'm afraid I'm not reading it correctly, but it's by the Snarky Puppy. And there are several trees on a, on kind of like a brown, brown dirt road. And there's a, a, a chair sitting abandoned in the middle of it. I'm also getting texts throughout this, which is, is worrisome because I don't want to look at them, but it makes me worry that about my pets. So I'm not there and my roommates are watching them right now. I, it's, I think it'll be fine. Rachel's just held out her hand as if I wanted to check them. I think, I think it's going to be fine. There's no way it's like an emergency. Um, next to that, there is a poster. I can't see all of it because it's blocked by a lamp. It's one of those like, it's one of those lamps that you always wanted when you were a kid. I used to have one in my room that was, it was more colorful, but it was very similar. It's one of those ones. It's, it's, it's those tall standing lamps that have basically the bendy straw tops. <laughs> no, that's not the correct, the, they are malleable. You know, you can kind of point them in different directions. I had one when I was a kid that used to be in my, I get, we called it the playroom because there's me and my brother's bedroom. And then we had another room where we kept all of our, all of our toys and stuff. Um, and in that room is where we, where we had a lamp like that. Um, and behind it, there's kind of a poster that looks like a print of several different, different dancing poses, it's like people kind of doing ballet lunges and, and standing splits and jumps. And I can't see all the poses cause it's partially blocked by the lamp, but I'm going to go off on a tangent here because I need to fill up time, I know. <laughs> but I don't, I've never really been able to get into dance, which I've always felt really bad about because I, I very much respect dance as an art form. I think it's incredibly impressive. Um, to do it requires such, to do it on a professional level requires such an insane amount of, of discipline and work. And I, I think one of the reasons I've had, had trouble watching dance performances in the past, but it's something I've gotten better about is I, I think that people, people like stories for different reasons. Dancing is, is, is an art form that, you know, art form and I've always thought is something that's meant to tell a story in some capacity. And when you're dancing, you can't say, you can't tell the story that way. You can't, you can't vocally say, you can't say, this is what is going on. And it leaves so much more up to your interpretation on how their movements are supposed to be conveying a message. And I don't I think it always frustrated me that it's, I, I like to talk about media with people. And it always feels like after I saw a dance performance, you would go and talk to someone. And so many people would have so many different interpretations for how, for what just happened on the stage, what was being, what story was being told, what their actions were supposed to represent. And in a way, I think I should like it more because of that. I should be more impressed, but 
I don't know why it's always bugged me. I've always just had this, I, I've never been able to sit through long dance performances. <laughs> I've always just wanted someone to tell me what was going on. And now I've, I've said this and I've probably offended a bunch of dancers. And so I just want to reiterate that I very much, I very much appreciate the art form and I'm very impressed by it, but I just, I need to, I, I've always had trouble, trouble watching it. Um, I guess moving on to the next one, there's a flower, uh, like a print, not a flower, a real flower, but there is a, it looks like a, a printing of a flower from here. I can't tell if it's painted or if it's a picture of, uh, I have no idea what it is. I want to say a lily, but I know I'm wrong. And above it is, um, like a black and white image. It almost looks like an x-ray of a, of a flower which is really interesting because I don't think I've ever, I can't tell if it's just an, a, a negative, like someone's taken a negative film photo of like a white flower on a white background, or if someone's made a print of an x-ray of a flower. And that seems like a very odd experience going to someone who has an x-ray and laying a flower underneath it and, and, and then asking them to take one for you. Although I guess, if you're someone who studies flower, it would probably be useful to know what's going on inside there. Um, further to the right, there are three pictures in the room. One is of a of a Saint Bernard dog. It's very cute. I always love big dogs. My my youngest pet is also my biggest pet. His name is Chewy. He's a great Pyrenees. And Chewy is short for Chewbacca Wilkinson. Um, but we call him Chewy. All of my pets, they have they have names that at least like I have I relate to space. And then I also give them a, a dorky shorter nickname. So I have Chew Chewbacca who's Chewy. I have my other dog, Pandora, whose name we call Panda or Pan. I have uh, I have Andromeda who we call Andy, who's my cat. And then there is, well, I don't have her anymore, but I used to have a rabbit named Omega, who we called Meg. But I've always really liked, I, I've always told myself when, when I got a pet, I wanted to have either a really, really big dog or a really, really small dog. And I ended up kind of getting both. I got the big dog Chewy and then one day I was just, driving down the street and it was freezing cold outside. It was right around, I think it was right around Halloween because I was on my, I was picking something up from my house to take back to a friend's Halloween party when this little dog just ran up to me in the street and practically jumped into my car. Um, and I, I didn't know it. I was like on my way to a party. I didn't know what to do. So I just took the dog home and I put it in a room and closed the door. And I was like, Oh my gosh, please Chewy, just be chill with this little pup. And the next day I tried taking it to the vet to see if it had a chip and looked on all the Facebook pages to see if anyone lost. And I, I never could, I never could find whose, whose, whose dog it was. And I kept it around for months and I refused to give her a name for the longest time. Cause I was like, as soon as I give this dog a name, it's my dog. And I lived in basically a studio apartment at the time. And I, I already had a dog and a cat and my, and before that, for a while, I'd had a dog, a cat and that rabbit all living in that apartment at the same time until that rabbit passed away. 
and that rabbit destroyed my apartment. Um, not like the walls or anything like that, but I literally came home one day and my rabbit had eaten a hole into the middle of my couch, like a huge hole, and she had burrowed her way inside of it. Um, and I had to go buy like a couch cover for it, but she oh, she would chew through the couch cover as well and always like burrow into it. And I loved her to death, but she would chew on anything that she could fit her mouth around, basically. She, I, I couldn't leave my laptop unattended with her in the room because her favorite thing on earth, I, I swear to God, her favorite thing on earth to eat must have been laptop chargers because she would just run up and chew through them. If I stepped away, I once stepped away for 30 seconds and I came back and I was like, why isn't my computer charging? And she had chewed through one of the cords. Um, <laughs> I, I probably spent... I, I probably spent more on laptop chargers than I did on anything else for that rabbit, but she was adorable. I, I probably would have gotten another one after she passed if, if I hadn't have stumbled across Pandora and taken her in. But I, I finally did end up naming her Pandora, you know, uh, because, you know, Pandora's box. I was like, okay, name's it. I've opened the box. I've named her. Now she is... Now she's mine. I was originally going, I did contemplate naming her Shadow though, because she literally just stands underneath your feet at all times. There are four people in who live in my, in my house and for, somehow she is always underneath all of our feet at the same time. It seems we can't walk through the house without hearing one of my roommates yell out, Panda, come on. Uh, underneath the picture of the St. Bernard. <laughs> is looks like a picture of rachel i think it's her sister i don't know rachel's sister that well so i can't I, i'm not gonna speak on that picture too much underneath it is a picture of a cat um i want to say the cat's name is bandit i'm not positive i might be getting my cats confused that's like an orange tabby cat i also i have a weird problem right now with my cat and and that is my roommate is slowly stealing my cat and i don't blame them and i'm not mad about adam for it because it is a very weird situation but like as i said i have a, i have a very big dog and i have a very small cat and i've had the cat for the longest and i love her to death her name's in andromeda but i call her andy and she does not get along with the big dog no matter what i've tried i've tried introducing him slowly i've tried whatever i can and they just won't well the dog loves andy he he just wants to run up and sniff her he, my, my my big dog has never hurt a living soul and he never would but he's so big that it terrifies andy to death and she cannot be in the same room with him so when we moved from the apartment when we used to live in the apartment i would just keep them in in the two separate rooms of my apartment one would be in the bedroom the other would be in the kind of the studio area um, but after we moved into the house, there were a lot more rooms. And immediately she chose basically the master bedroom, which ended up being, um, which one of my roommates, Gavin, ended up living in. And since she was always in that room, we put her litter box in his bathroom. And then we started putting her food bowls in, in his room. And then he stopped, he didn't want to go through me to get her litter and her food. So he started buying it himself. And so now the cat lives with him all the time. 
she never comes out because if we open the door, Panda and Chewie, Chewie will try to go in there and, and Andy gets gets annoyed. And so it's it's very weird because at this point it doesn't even feel like I have a cat anymore. It feels like it's just my roommate's cat. And there's nothing I really can do about it because, I mean, obviously she, she'll be happier in there than she would be if I tried to force her to stay in my room, especially since the dogs sleep in there every night. But it is a very funny situation. Besides that is, beside that picture is a picture of a, of like a coyote, it's like a, a coyote on a plateau, but it's done in kind of one of those, I don't know what it's called, a, adobe kind of New Mexico, I know the art styles, I, you see it a lot in like New Mexico and Arizona, I, I believe it has like its roots in like Native American art and culture, I don't, I don't, I can't forget, I forget what the style is called though, but it reminds me very much of, I, I'm going to go off on tangents on all these photos now because I know I've only spent like maybe 10 minutes of my hour, I'm pretty sure, and so I'm just going to keep going off on tangents as much as I can because I'm running low on photos already. Um, but it reminds me of, I was on a road trip when I was younger with my, with my parents and my little brother. And we went to the Four Corners, which, I mean, I, I feel like everyone knows what the Four Corners is, but maybe it's, it's something that's only like more common in this area of the country, but it's like, it, it's a place where it's nothing exciting. It's, it's kind of the dumbest landmark on earth. It's just a place where four states all have all meet together. It's the four corners of these four states. And I don't even think it's the only place in America that happens. I might be completely wrong, but I think I remember there's somewhere else where four states touch. But it's like this weird land, like you, you, you go, you drive up. And I remember it wasn't anything impressive. It was basically just like this big metal thing on the ground that had like the four corners carved into it. And it was, you could be like, and there'd just be people up there like taking pictures of themselves, like laying down on it. And like, they'd be in four States at once was the big deal. But I remember there also was like this little tent set up and there is this this group of people going over there like who had set up tables and we walked up to one and on them there were these little wooden carvings and they were and i mean i can't speak i was too young i don't know how often like authentic they were but they were um, i think they're called kachina dolls which are like these little wooden carving carvings um that are, are supposed to be like representative of like different native American myths and legends, I think, and like figures in history. And I really wanted one for some reason. I don't know why I've always had a weird, like, I, I want to collect weird things. And I was like, I want to start collecting these. I just really thought they were cool. And my dad basically said, eh, they're a bit pricey here. Let's keep driving around. I've seen them in other places we'll get you one on this trip, but we're not going to get it here. And every single gift shop or whatever we went to after that, I went and looked and there never was any more for all the rest of the stops we made. And I never got my Kachina doll. 
until years later, years later. I don't remember what I think I was just, I was, I think I was at a, a thrift shop or something, not a thrift shop, like a pawn, pawn shop or an antique shop. That's what it was. I was in an antique shop. I walked by and there was a little, little figurine of like a, of a, a dancing figure with this big red face and like this kind of, um, this like feathered headdress. And it, they're usually pretty simple carvings. It wasn't anything too detailed, but I remember that specifically. And I, and I bought that. And I think it's, I, I, it's funny. I, I know, I know I own it and I'm trying to remember if it's at my house in my room now, or if it, I forgot to unpack it when I moved, but I finally got my Kachina doll like years and years and years later. But I need to do more research on them. I, 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 I kind of want to know more about, about if that's a real thing. That also might just be some touristy thing. It might not even be like a, a real, a real deal. Um, to the right of that is a, a painting, I guess, of a peacock. I can't, I can't tell what medium it is from here. It looks like, it looks like gouache to me. It's hard to say. It could be acrylic paint. It's too dark to be watercolor, but it's, it's of like a peacock standing on a wire, I guess. Which seems weird to me. I've never seen a peacock, like, not on the ground. They, they, I don't think of them as animals. Like, I, I guess they can. They're birds. They can get up in the air, but I, I guess I've never thought about it. It's like penguins or or ostriches like you can they get up in the air feasibly yes but peacocks can peacocks fly i don't know if peacocks can fly i know that's a joke and the other guys one of them he has this line where he yells out i'm a peacock you gotta let me fly and one of the guys yells no no peacocks don't fly and one guy responds like oh they can they can hop they can get a little like running start and flutter a bit and I don't know how accurate that is. I don't know if that's just a joke or if peacocks are capable of flight. But he looks pretty far off the ground in that painting. So I'm gonna take that painting's word for it and say peacock, peacocks can actually fly. Um, besides, beside that is, I keep wanting to say besides that, when I'm trying to say beside that, there is like a, this does look like a watercolor painting to me of kind of this prismatic triangular pattern and all of them are kind of touching and flowing. They're not like, they're not flowing together, but they're kind of flowing almost in a pattern around it. It's very nice. I really like it actually. Um, I'm turning around now and I'm realizing how hot the back of this chair is. I think, I think I don't feel I'm not sweaty because I am hot. I think I'm just sweaty because I am, once again, nervous because I have no idea how this is all going to sound when I re-listen to it later. Um, but behind me, there is a poster of a bunch of seals. Um, and there's a lot of words on it, and I feel it's in poor taste to read them all. So I'm going to skip past this one. But it does say, I do want to share, it does say pinnipeds around the world, which I have to imagine is like the scientific name for seals. And I, if you've made it this far, 
hopefully you've at least learned that piece of information so this hasn't been a complete waste of your time. So now you know that the scientific names for seals are pinnipeds or like their family or whatever, maybe. I also could be incorrect, so maybe you've learned nothing from this podcast. Um, to the right of it, looks like it almost seems to me like a painting by, I described earlier a painting where this guy, his head was kind of like growing out of this, this um, flowery house with all these vines and these people sitting in the windows. And there's another painting that looks like it might be by the same artist I, I can't say for certain, just the face looks very similar to me. Because they both are kind of this bald, old man with this big nose and these a bunch of wrinkles on his face. And beside that is uh, uh, another picture of another flower. I have no idea what flower it is, but this one's very colorful. It's like red and orange. It, it seems to be a, maybe some kind of bloom. And it looks like it's done in, in pastels. I've always thought working with pastels is funny because when you, I used to love working with them as a kid, but if you worked on something in pastels, anything you touched for the next day also would be covered in pastels, it felt like. I mean, if you washed hands, through, I always felt like I still had pastels on me. And the other annoying part of pastels is you could get it perfect. You get it like just right. And if you didn't, if you didn't, save it if you didn't spray it with like that i had like this clear acrylic gloss stuff that i would spray over it to like save it after i was done and i i don't know why i liked working with them so much i think i think it might go back to i think the first time i ever worked with them actually was with a video it was one of those things in like in my art class, my middle school, no, I would have been high school, my high school art class. They had a day, like we were working with different mediums throughout the entirety of this class. It was like, you know, the beginner level, level course. And they played a video one day and they had, they gave us all pastels. And the guy on it, he was drawing ice cream cones. I mean, not just the cone itself, but it was like a cone with like a scoop of ice cream or two on it. And he would use the pastels and it just looks so pretty. And like you, you did it along with the video. And, I, and still to this day, whenever I'm like working with pastels, like to warm up or whatever, I'll draw an ice cream cone with them. And then, I mean, I don't, I don't think I've ever held on to one. I don't think I've ever like kept one hidden away, but it's something I've always like repetitively done almost instinctually with that. This is going to sound crazy. And because you guys can't respond to me, but just go ahead. If you are listening to this and you, and you do know what I'm talking about, just yell out yes, really loud. And if I'm some, for some reason, if I'm like near you, if I happen to be like standing next to you on a bus or on a train or on, on a school campus or something like that, and I just hear someone yell, yes, I'll know that you're listening to the podcast right now. Do you guys ever have something growing up called draw squad? I don't know if anyone, I know, I know there are other people on earth who did this too, because it was, it was something we had to do in my elementary school. It was one of those things where it was like a video that they would play maybe once a month or once every other month, even in like third grade or something. And it was like the series of videos that were supposed to teach you how to draw. 
and they they were pretty simple it would be like it'd be kind of like a bob ross style except this guy was more he was kind of wilder than bob ross he was kind of he was like if bob ross met uh, what is that tv show where the the, with the we are number one guy that they had all the memes about but the good guy from that show the guy who always dressed in blue this was like that guy but he taught you how to draw and it like the it was basically you would the majority of it was just drawing like three-dimensional shapes and learning how to shade like that was all they really taught that's all i learned from it was how to shade and but there'd be this thing at the end where it'd be like okay here's a challenge everyone we're going to draw boxes stacked on top of each other and we're going to see who can draw the most boxes and it became a thing like everyone in my class would draw a ton of these i mean it's similar to how everyone draws like those s's you know, where you do the you do the six lines and then you connect them together, um, but you'll do them in different ways. But it, we we do that and like we would do like these boxes step stacked on top of each other or different three dimensional shapes, and then you would turn that into a castle or something like that. It was a very strange thing, and I don't know if I've ever since I took that class talked to someone about it. But it was so much like it was it was like the high it was one of my favorite things like whenever that whenever it was time to do one of those videos because one like we didn't have to learn about actual stuff but but two it genuinely was fun like it wasn't only like drawing boxes like uh, we drew a ton of rocket ships and it, and and still this day it's like the stuff I'll always doodle on the margins of my paper will be stuff I learned how to draw from those videos. Plus, it really was, a, like, it honestly did kind of put me ahead because I knew how to shade. And, like, that was, like, I would just do that in any drawing. I would draw something. It would be it would be terrible. But then I would add shading to it. And people would be like, oh, wow, that looks really good. So that's the secret. If you ever just want people to think you're good at drawing, just shade it. And it'll they'll probably believe you. You can at least say it's an artistic choice if you kind of look like you know what you're doing. Um, besides that, I've, I've described, oh, I have described all the photos. There's one more. I can't, I can't really see it. It looks like, it's like a, it's like a, it's mostly green. And it, to me from here, it looks like it's like a swamp and there's this, this bald woman standing in it in a bikini or a swimsuit of some kind. I can't tell. I'm, I'm not at a very good angle, and I don't want to get up and turn away from the microphone to go look at it. And I've described all the photos in this room, so I guess I'll start describing other things. There's a bunch of cardboard boxes on the floor. <laughs> I remember, <laughs> this is another thing. I keep, I keep wanting to address the audience. I'm mainly wanting to address Rachel because she's sitting in the room with me, but she can't respond, and I'm trying not to look at her. But... I remember when I was younger, we used to make, um, we'd go over to my grandmother's house and we would make cardboard armor suits. <laughs> and they wouldn't look very good. It would just basically be like cutting holes in cardboard so that they would fit over your body. And then like we would then cover it in like tin foil or whatever. And me and my brother would just like go outside and make each other with pieces of cardboard that we had made into swords. And, um, it's fun. I was talking about this not too long ago. I think I might for Halloween this year want to go as a cardboard knight, but get like really into it. Cause that's what one of those, you see now, like those people who'd like do cosplay stuff 
and they make like weapons and, and suits of armor and stuff out of cardboard where they basically I mean it's almost like woodworking they they laminate together like they glue like sheets together and like wait for it to dry and then they'll carve that like it's foam or something and they just make these like incredibly detailed shapes and, and three-dimensional like designs I've always wanted to get into it and I'm just never I've never really tried um besides the cardboard there is <laughs> i'm really grasping at straws if i'm just talking about the cardboard boxes on the floor um there's a lot of instruments in this house because I, I know rachel's a musician looks like i think i see her trumpet case trumpet cases i can't tell if there are other instruments over there as well and they're different size cases and one of them looks too small to be a trumpet but I, I don't know what else she would play. There is a bass. There's a keyboard and a bass. And I've always wanted to learn to play the bass. And I even I even have one. It's not mine, but it's my father's, and he lent it to me because he never plays it. It was just like sitting in his closet, and I just asked him, hey, can I take this? Because I have a weird habit of of just wanting to own instruments and telling myself I'm going to learn to play them, and then I never do. Because like for Chris, for Christmas the past few years, the big gift I've always asked for is a new instrument. Because last year, last year I got a guitar lele, which is like a guitar. It's a ukulele with six strings, like a guitar. And it's really, and it sucks because you can't play it like a ukulele and you can't play it like a guitar because of how the tuning works. And so I don't know how to do anything with it. I keep picking it up and trying to find, and there's not a very big resource for how to play this very strange instrument. And then the year before that, I asked for a mandolin, which is like a ukulele kind of, but all the strings are doubled up. So it has eight strings, but it really only has four strings in a way. And it's also an instrument that is incredibly hard to find like beginner instruction on how to play. And I keep telling myself I'm gonna learn how to play them and I, I don't know if I ever will. I have started trying to learn some basic stuff on guitar, but I basically just do the same stuff I do on keyboard where I just learn basic chord structure and then I just have fun like learning all of the the grungy songs I used to listen to when I was in high school. Because that's all anyone really wants to do, I think. I think that, well, not everyone. I mean, there are actual musicians who want to create and make new things. And, I, and, I, and sometimes I want to do that as well. But most of the time, I just want to get nostalgic, I think. I just want to go back and play the songs that I used to listen to and know that I can do it. Cause that's always a cool feeling, you know, it's like, Hey, I used to listen to this. Now I'm doing it, but I probably should learn how to like actually do some stuff on these instruments. I need to get back into playing my drum set, but uh, I'm always very hesitant about that because I also don't want to be both as a roommate and as a neighbor. I don't want to be the guy who plays drum set all the time because that seems kind of like the worst guy to be. And I, because I used to, like I said, I used to live in a studio apartment, so I never played my drum set. I would make, I would put like 80 pads on it and maybe play it for 15 minutes once every three weeks at midday because I knew it wouldn't disturb anybody. And it was the same reason because I tried to start playing trumpet 
um, because I've always really loved the instrument because my father plays it. And I, it was so hard for me to practice because I felt bad because I didn't sound good. And even if I did sound good, if you don't want to listen to trumpet, it's not your favorite sound. It's not going to be a good sound. And so I would go and practice in my car, but then it would get too hot in my car. And then I'd say, I don't want to do this anymore. And yeah, and then and even, yeah, even you try to get mutes to make it quieter, but I'm still like, this is still very loud. So I never got that good at it. I really want to buy, they make these, I really want a trombone and I have no idea why. And I know they specifically make these plastic trombones and they don't only come in blue, but I always imagine them in blue. And you, you see them and you think, oh, it's like a, it's like a toy trombone, but they sound, they sound fantastic. Apparently, like I was, I talked to several like actual musicians, like, yeah, it's a little bit different. The sounds maybe not 100% the, the same, but like, you, there are plenty of professionals who are using because they're lighter weight and they're so much cheaper and like if they get damaged it's not the end of the world but I, I really want to get myself one of these plastic trombones and see what all the fuss is about and then it could it could sit on my shelf collecting dust with all the other instruments in my house um, besides that there is a longboard. I'm really terrified that I'm only 30 minutes in right now. And now I'm even more terrified that I'm not even 30 minutes in, which is very scary because I am running low on my tank. I think of, of things I can describe in the room and go off on tangents for, but um, there is a, I don't know if, I, I guess it's a longboard. Or skate, it's, it's not a skateboard, but it's, I mean, it's longboard because it's longer, I assume. It has some kind of like cool floral patterns on it. And that's another thing that I, I guess I've always wanted to try to get into that I've had, I haven't had trouble with because I've never really tried. <laughs> like uh, there is, there is constantly though in my home, a skateboard that sits behind our couch which is a very dumb idea. It's a very dumb thing for multiple reasons because one, it's just messy. And two, like it's a wheeled thing on the ground that someone could slip on. And I've never tried to ride it per se. Like I've never like taken it out and like carved up some narnar, which I think is a surfer term, not a skateboard term. Um, but I'll just get on it and I'll try to balance on the back two wheels. Like, like I, I don't know what it would be called trying to do essentially like a wheelie on a bike, but with a skateboard. And I'll just try to balance on it. I've gotten pretty good at that though, which isn't a real skateboarding thing, but I can like, I can sometimes stay up there for like 30 seconds before I have to fall off. So I'm, I'm, I'm not proud of that skill, but I'm not ashamed of it either. Uh, then across from me I've mostly been describing in this room the, the room we're sitting which is like kind of a living room area I guess is what you'd call it and I, I can see just barely into this room through this tiny hallway and I'm trying to see if there's anything in there that sparks 
<laughs> sparks anything in me. There's like a mirror, and like I can see basically a bathroom set up with a sink. I will say something that's super weird about this apartment, and I'm sorry for talking bad about your apartment, Rachel, but the 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 sink for the bathroom is in the same room as the bedroom, which is absolute insanity. When I and and I discovered this when I was not in. Hey, mom, dad, if you're listening right now, just this is all parody, so don't pay attention. But I was I was very high. And I was I go to the bathroom and I get up and I'm like, okay, I need to wash my hands. I was like, there's no sink in here. How is there no sink in here? And I walk out and I see the sink like in the bedroom. And I'm like, what is going on right now? Is this house not? And I wasn't like so high that I didn't understand what was going on, but it was just like, it, I had never seen it before like this, I guess, except maybe, I think I was in a hotel. I've been in hotel rooms or something where it's like this, where the room with like the toilet and the shower, which I guess... I guess it's like a more of a European thing. They have like, I think they call them water closets and they have like these, because I remember when I took French class, there were two words for bathroom. Cause one was like the room with, I think one was literally the toilet, which was the room, with the toilet. And then there was like the other, I forget the word now, obviously the French really stuck with me, but I, and like, so I, I guess I have it in my head that in other places in the world, they are, they're always two separate bathrooms, which I know that happens in America as well. But like, I don't know, I'm just used to like, you have the master bathroom that has like everything in it all together. I think taking language classes and going back to the French thing now, taking language classes is such a funny thing that they have us do because it, I don't know anybody who wasn't like into that language unless they were going to go study abroad or they were going to, unless they studied abroad or they were majoring in that language in some capacity, they don't remember it. Like most of them, like, cause I know now, like I can, if you put, if you put something in French in front of me, I can maybe kind of decipher what it's generally about. I can pick out words here and there and I can say like, okay, yeah, this word means to do, this word means cat, this word means, and like I can kind of put it together slowly. But if someone spoke French at me, I would, it would be impossible for me to understand. It was impossible for me to understand someone speaking French when I was taking the class. Because I remember like, I, because I was pretty good at the rest of it. Like I did a ton of it because I would, because I, I really liked the language and I would go and I would study and I would do like Duolingo and I would do all these other things. But as soon as someone started speaking it to me, my brain shut off. And, and I, I, I don't know. I just know multiple other people. It's, it's almost like a, 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 I have friends who are taking French now. I had this friend, Shannery, who was taking French specifically. And it was very funny because, because it, this is another tangent, but the funny thing about learning a language with someone for the first time, like if you both are learning a new language, you can kind of joke about how weird the language is. And it's funny how it like, it matches up. Like one joke I hear a lot about French is like how crazy it is, how their counting works. Cause to say 80, they say four twenties instead of saying, wait, cause yeah, it's cause quatre yeah, quatre 
It's something like that. And like, instead of saying 80, because they have a word for like 50s, 60s, 70, but then for, once they get to 80, they switch to 480s or something like that. And so we would joke about that, but it, it would also be like, we would just learn to say random things in French and then we would just yell them at each other. Like before we would do like, we would be out drinking and with people and we just say them. But one of our favorite things was there was this song that I used to listen to that was really, it's a really silly song, but for some reason it was just like my hype song for a while. I, I listened to it when I was working really late at night and I needed to stay awake because it was so ridiculous. It just kind of gave me energy and it, it's called Spice Girl. It's by this guy named Amine. His name looks like anime and I never have learned what it actually is. Um, his name, I think it's just his, his, his performer title was a rapper or whatever, his stage name or whatever you want to call it. But it's called Spice Girl. And essentially the song, I don't, I, to this day, I don't know specifically what it's about. Because the song is basically he's saying, I need a Spice Girl. And I don't know if he means he specifically wants to date one of the Spice Girls or if, he, or if Spice Girl is a term for something else. And I've tried looking it up on Urban Dictionary and other things like that, and I can't, I still don't know if he's specifically, because that's, that's a different story. If you just need a girl like the Spice Girls or whatever, or, or, or that, that is a task. But if you're trying to specifically find one of the four Spice Girls to date you, I don't think you're gonna, I don't think it's gonna happen. I assume there's four Spice Girls. I think there's only three now that I think about it. And that's even tougher. That's an even tougher nut to crack right there. But I'm on so many tangents at this point, but there's a line in the song. It's, I need a Spice Girl, Ziggy Ziggy, I fuck up. I fuck up my whole world. And so we love to say, I fuck up my whole world in French but we couldn't find what the actual translation for fuck was because there was a whole bunch of them. So we just decided it was fuqua. So we'd start, we'd just look at it. We'd every time we did shots, we'd just say, fuqua my mom in tia. It's fuck up my world entirely. <laughs> no, fuck, that's fuck up my entire world. I forget, whatever. But it was, and it was dumb and it was stupid and it meant nothing. But it was always really funny just because we didn't know there was, because our main joke was that in French, it always sounds like they're just, when you learn French, it kind of sounds like some guys just making up French versions of the world as you go. Cause like cat is, is chat. It's, <laughs> and like the in, entire is entire. Like it just sounds like someone's saying an English word with a weird accent, not all the time, but a lot of times. And then like the verb conjugations get really wild. And I know that's only as someone who speaks English and because they're both from the same root language or whatever, but it was always very funny because, like, if, if anyone ever asked me for the French version of a word, I sometimes just guess. <laughs> and I'm sometimes correct. Because <laughs> if you just say it with a French accent, you can sometimes get away with it. So there's something else you've learned from this podcast. Um, across from me, there's a pack of gum that's open. I'm trying to think of some fun gum stories to share with you all. Um, I can't think of any. But do you guys remember Five Gum? What was our deal with that? Like, seriously, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm so, this is so ridiculous, but I'm about to go talk about Five Gum because I don't know what else to talk about. 
do you remember those commercials where it would just be like it would always be very dark for some reason like it's very dark which i don't know if we're supposed to be like inside a mouth and that's why it's very dark but it'd be very dark and it would just be like some really breathy voice and i think it'd sometimes be a guy i think it was sometimes a girl maybe it was always a guy um but they'd just be like how it feels to chew five gum. <laughs> You'd be very breathy, you know, but it would be kind of like robotic at the same time. And then it would just be like someone doing a stunt. <laughs> it could be someone like diving in. I, the only one I can remember specifically is like a guy diving into a cold pool, which I think we can almost, I, I, I personally would think that would be a universally bad experience. Like if someone said, here's a product that will make you feel like you just jumped into icy cold water, I'd be like, no, thank you. <laughs> I don't want to do that. But that was Five Gums thing, cause it, cause I don't know, I, I I don't I I don't know if it was telling you it would hurt you or not, cause there definitely were gums meant that were meant to hurt you, like big red gum, you know, that was a gum designed to cause pain, and I loved big red gum. Um, my mom especially, she loved it. She always had big red gum, and so like I, I I used to chew it all the time. But big red gum, if you chewed big red gum long enough, your mouth would would be destroyed it was like it was the same thing if you ate like too many sour patch kids or whatever like you just you would just eat it and your mouth would be raw and i i i've never i've never understood that there seems to be some foods that are just designed to challenge you and i don't know life is already so hard <laughs> i don't know why we have to specifically also be challenged by the things we eat because that was the and i i and I say that, and I, but I'm kind of coming around to it because I used to hate spicy food. I couldn't stand spicy food. I didn't see the point of it. We'd go anywhere. If something was even a little bit spicy, like I would eat it because like, I'm not going to like refuse food put in front of me, but like I wouldn't enjoy it. And I've just now started getting to the point. I went through this week and it was funny. It was right when I moved into my new house. And so it was really funny because for my roommates, they were like, oh, this guy's all about spicy food. And I was like, and like his half of his identity, cause I would just have, I had Sriracha on everything. I was living very, I was very poor at the time cause the, the deposit had completely drained me cause it was very expensive. Cause there was this huge pet deposit for all my wild animals that lived in my home. But, and so I was basically just eating ramen nonstop and I was, and I was tired of the flavor of just like chicken and ramen. So I put some Sriracha in it. And then I just was eating that nonstop. And my friends were like, there's Tony, he's about to eat. Better get the sriracha. And I was like, I don't like that this is my identity to you because this hasn't been part of my life for very long. It seems I don't want to already be the sriracha guy. I just, I just want to give it a shot. I'm just out here ex experimenting, experimenting with my sriracha-ality. <laughs> is that anything? Um, but yes, I, I, I've always gotten sour though. Sour has always been a good taste. And I still don't understand when this, you've heard of umami, right? Is that a new flavor or has that always been around and just no one told me about it? And you can't answer me. And I, you look like you were about to, but I, it's just like one day I heard someone say umami and one, that's a very funny word, but I, I had no idea what that meant for the longest time. And apparently it's like the flavor of beef, which I guess when I think about it, 
is hard to describe another flavor, but that feels like it should fit into like savory or whatever. I think it's weird that umami gets its whole own, like just beef gets to decide we're, we're our own flavor. I'm just saying, I, I feel like I need to talk to whoever made that decision. Um, my keys are in the room. I also have a Gatorade that I brought in, which is weird because I never drink Gatorade. But I was just like, I was in the gas station. I was like, I don't want to drink a soda right now. And I really got it. Well, I knew I was coming over to this podcast and I didn't, I didn't know we were going to be recording the first episode for certain or not. But I think I, part of me was trying to prepare with the Gatorade. I had to get my body ready for the grueling endurance test that I was about to partake in. Um, I also have my keys. Um, my keys are really weird right now. I keep telling myself I need to do something about my keys because um, my keys are a mess. I am a key hoarder. I never take a key off my key ring. And so I have like 30 keys and I swear I only know what four of them do. Um, in particular, the funniest one is I have... <laughs> so my car keys are on it, obviously. And recently I had a very weird car problem where I got into my car. And the funny thing was I, I, I was having a rough night and I got into my car and I was like, I, I tried to turn it and it wouldn't turn. And it happens in my car sometimes. I just kind of have to keep doing it until it will turn because it's like not properly in, in park or whatever because my car is really bad. But the key just literally broke apart in my hand. Like it, the key came free of the housing with like the button to unlock the car and just like split apart in my hand. And like, and so I, obviously I'm just there for a solid minute. Like what just happened? Like this isn't a problem. I'm like, um, and luckily I had like a, a toolbox in my car. So I had to like basically like jerry rig. I, I like got a pair of clamps, not clamps, but like needle nose pliers and like grabbed onto the key and was able to turn it in the ignition that way. And then like I got home and the next day I like text my mom because she has the insurance. I was like, I don't know what to do. Like do you, you there's sometimes problems where you probably could handle them yourself, but they're so flabbergasting, like you're so unprepared to deal with them that you just have to call your parents and be like, hey, what do I do? And like, she had an extra key for the car because it used to be hers. So I went and got it, but I still have the shell of the housing for the button on my, on my ring, even though I specifically also have the, the new car key. Here's what I'm actually gonna do right now. I'm going to take it off my key ring because that's gonna buy me like 10 seconds. And then I'm going to throw it away at the end of the podcast. So I'm, I'm, this podcast is already, it's cleaning up my life. It's helping me align my chakras. I'm putting the keys down so that it's probably gonna cover my audio. I'm just gonna stop talking for just a second. But yes, and here it is, you'll hear it click. That was the, the piece of my keys that I no longer need. I think one of these keys on here is like a, it's like a soccer ball is on it. And I, I don't, it's either the key back door key to my dad's old house that he no longer lives in, or it's a key to a bike lock that I haven't had for the past 10 years. I don't know which one it is. The other funny thing is I have a, like a keychain, and I had, <laughs> 
it's of an American flag and it's it's torn to shreds. It used to be like a regular like keychain with like an American flag kind of cro- crocheted into it or whatever. And I I'm not a patriotic person at all. I'm not like I I, I my country's fine sometimes, but it's also pretty shitty sometimes. So I don't I, I don't I don't really care either way, honestly. But I have a thing. I love American flag apparel in general because I don't think people understand how ironic it is because technically the flag flag code of America states you're not supposed to wear it. Oh, that's the timer. I guess it's been an hour. I'm I'm surprised. I thought I would I I ran out of things a couple of times, but I guess I got through most of it. Um there's no official ending to this podcast yet, so I'm I'm going to really quick, I guess, plug my other stuff. Because if I, you've sat here and listened to me for an hour, so if for some reason you still want to listen to me, um, you can hear me on the other podcast on the CoCast Network right now. Um, I am on all of them as, um, so far. Um, so you can catch me on Construction, um, where me and two people have an hour to build a world from scratch on cooperation where I lead five people as they try to build a basically to a Dungeons and Dragons style role-playing government podcast where they try to build a society to survive a zombie apocalypse um, and it's all role-play based um, conspiracy where me and a friend um, research and talk about conspiracy theories as well as the possible sources of the information and their validity and and then I do a, a YouTube sketch series with my roommate named Paxton called Paxtony that you can see on YouTube if you're bored. Um, besides that, thank you so much for listening to this. I, this will be the first episode of hopefully many. Um, and hopefully the rest of them will be of people who are a bit more interesting than I am. But <laughs> it's, been, it's been interesting to say the very least. And uh, until next time, thank you so much. Sitting in a Room is a co-cast network and collaborative arts production. Created by Anthony Wilkinson and Rachel Bandy. Music by Raul Rivera Pun. Edited by Diego de la Espriella. All co-cast network productions are made possible by our Patreon supporters. You can find us on patreon.com slash coarts. That is patreon.com slash C-O-A-R-T-S. If you're interested in being featured in an episode, please email co.artsproductions at gmail.com. And that is co.artsproductions at gmail.com.